disappointment of missing the playoffs the last two years has motivated us. And just because now we're 16 games to go, it's not go time. I think we're in second place in the West because we've approached the whole season as go time. You're listening to The Dig. What is up, Nuggets? Fans? Even? Both of you. Both groups. We have to segment at this point because we get all these Nuggets players listening to the podcast. We get alerts of Serbian, by the way. Mm. Drop a little bit in. I've been, I've been, uh, I have an app for it. I've been, um, Otats is father. Oh. Yep. So Dobro like, Utro, that's what other morning. NBA players should be calling Jokic. Oh, actually, Jokic's name is Jokic. Jokic? Kind of, yeah. You're definitely doing the I right. But yeah. Jokic. Yeah. Uh, Nikola Jokic. It's not Nikola either. It's Nikola. No, it's yeah. not. It's neither of those, actually. What is it? So the I is E sound. So it's uh, Nikola Jokic. Yeah, but it's not. It's okay. Then it's Nikola. Yeah, because, when you say it fast, yeah, Nikola. No, it's not Nikola. You're putting the emphasis on the wrong vowel. Because this came up on the radio the other day. They were talking about it. Mm, I mean, so I think this first really came up when uh, uh, Vucevic uh, was talking about it going into the All Star game, and he kept saying it over and over because his name is Nikola, and he he kept saying like uh, they were asking him about Jokic. And and he and then they were like, oh, are we actually saying are we saying Nicola wrong? He's like, yeah, it's Nicola. It's the same Nicola. way that I say my name is Nicola. Yeah, but Jokic said that he likes Nicola better. That's so it's completely got, wrong. I know, <laughs> but, but, but it's he, okay. yeah, but he said that he I likes guess. it better because I think he's been called that since he's been here and he like prefers it now or something like that. Okay, so now it's all screwed up because we don't know. <laughs> you know, so you want to pronounce were, his name correctly. You know, to not sound like an idiot, but if he actually prefers the incorrect pronunciation. It, is, it gets complicated. But if you were walking around the uh, Boje Yugoslavia, the former Yugoslavia, and you met a person whose letters looked like Nikola Jokic, you would say, oh, Nikola Jokic. Shout out I'm to Serbia. To yeah. I hope things are going well in Serbia to all of our. What, we, what do we have, like 50 or 100 Serbian listeners or something like Actually, that? Actually, yeah. 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 They're, they're pretty um, impressive That's awesome. in their following of, of Jokic. I, I love it. Maybe, should I, can we do a whole episode of just saying Jokic? Jokic? Yeah. Yeah, you nailed it. Jokic. Jokic. Yeah. I'm fine with that. Are Jokic. you sure you have the pronunciation right, though? I'm not 100% sure. Well, I'm at least 20% sure. Let's just go with an episode where we say Jokic. Jokic. The theme. So Malone was on Altitude Radio talking to Scott Hastings on Wednesday. And he had a lot of interesting things to say. And I, I thought that, you know, maybe maybe a few of the points that he brought out might be things worth discussing on this show, maybe in a little more detail. Um for one thing, he talked about uh, Jokic and his Jokic. So we're saying, it? yeah, um, and that he he's going through some fatigue right now, and and Malone had some thoughts about that. We'll get into that in a little bit. Um, Malone has also made some 
fairly definitive decisions about the lineup. It sounds like uh, we saw a taste of that in the Minnesota game. Uh, he went with basically an eight man rotation, eight and a half man rotation. Tory Craig played a little bit in that game, but uh, we saw no it. We saw no Wancho. We saw no Lyles. And this sounds like it's going to be a trend moving forward through the remaining 16 games. So we want to talk about that and really just talk about in general now where the nuggets sit is that it's time to get down to business. Yeah. I I like this theme down to business has me thinking of uh, Michael Douglas from wall street where he's like criticizing someone for even just taking lunch (laughs) when they just (laughs) should be working. Um, that's, that's how I live my life, right? Doesn't, exactly. Most people do, I think. Thank goodness. Yeah. Um, if you did, maybe we'd have a podcast more than every two weeks. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, uh, but you know, I, I I do actually. I really like that attitude. If there's even a, a um, monochrome of that attitude that is perpetuating its its way through this team, um, I I. I love to see that but i mean think of this if i'm in malone's shoes i see i see a worst case scenario and it's actually pretty bad uh granted we only have 16 games left before the last game let's say 17 um there's actually a pretty far away that you can fall in that amount of time so this is a very um special opportunity for everybody on this roster for Mike Malone included where they're storming into the playoffs. Um, This is not the situation that really any of these guys have had. So he's at the point now where he has to, I think, take it seriously. I'm glad that I see him doing that. Um, He could have kept experimenting, kept doing some different things, but uh, you know, he realizes that 17 game window that they were in um, is it, it. I, you know, he just called it It, time to get down to business and time to take it seriously. So I'm glad to see it. And I'm glad that that gives us something to talk about that I'm actually positive about optimistic about, as opposed to, you know, criticizing something that's going on. All right, Jeremy, let's play buy or sell. Our first topic, buy or sell resting Jokic during these final 16 games. So, on the radio show, Mike Malone talked about Jokic being fatigued. Um, he said that his impression was that this isn't a physical fatigue so much as kind of a mental fatigue, that the the season seems to just have worn on Jokic. He talked about the All-Star uh, game being kind of a blessing and a curse that, you know, of course, it's great to be named to an all-star game, but you also don't get a break then the way that uh, the other players in the NBA do, and Jokic may be could have used a, a little bit of a break there. Um, so do we think that it, he, he talked about potentially trying to find some time to rest Jokic? Uh, they rested him in the Minnesota game on Tuesday night uh, for most of the fourth quarter. Buy or sell that the Nuggets should be trying to actively rest Jokic whenever possible, or maybe even maybe even having him sit whole games. First of all, I think it's interesting that Malone actually acknowledged this fatigue. Uh, it could have been a very easy thing just to uh, deny. It takes just a few words and you move on to something else. 
So the fact that Malone is um, not only uh, one-to-one with Jokic, not only um, him facing the team, but even just him facing media is acknowledging that that there's um, something going on with Jokic's mental approach to these games is, is, is interesting to me. But I'm actually going to sell this because it's clear with physical fatigue what the cure for that is, which is resting. But with mental fatigue, that's to me, that's something that you have to work through. And to me, there's nothing like um, it, it's taking a challenge seriously and then ingraining that into your method where you find yourself in a mode of taking things seriously and overcoming hills. Like, you know, take take um, bicyclists, for, for example, and every hill that they have to overcome to to win the race. It's completely well, I'm not going to say it's completely mental because that's physically grueling. But it's definitely a great example of both sides of the physical and the mental where you have to be ready for it and you have to just filter it through a, uh, a mentally capable, a methodically capable uh, frame of mind to achieve it. So I'm not on board with giving him less minutes um, necessarily. I think he, this is a challenge that he needs to overcome um, as much in the game as out of the game. I'm going to buy it. Uh, but sort of with an asterisk, um, there's a couple spots here in the next couple of weeks where I think we, Jokic could probably get some rest. Um, I'm looking specifically at the back-to-back at Wizards at Knicks, which is in the middle of a four-game road trip. I'm thinking maybe that Knicks game is a spot where maybe you just plan on sitting him. Like, there's no reason this team can't handle the Knicks easily without the whole game in that game. Yeah. Just a planned out thing. Now I'm thinking, so if, if, if they know it going in, I mean, I, I, this isn't something I would drop on the team like an hour before game time or something like this. I think when you go on the swing, so we got Mavs Pacers at home. uh, Those are the next two games. And then it's at Boston at Washington at New York at Pacers. So you take that third game in the four game trip on a back to back after a wizards game, which could end up being a fairly easy game depending, you know, it's the NBA who knows what will happen. Um, but let's just assume that the nuggets handle the wizards relatively easily. Should be. Maybe you can sit Jokic part of the fourth quarter or the majority of the second half. And then you give him the next game off. Then he's back for the Pacers um, which could end up being a tough game. I mean, the Pacers are still hanging tough, even though they've had some injuries. Um, and then and then you come home for the Pistons, and then you go back out on the road against the Rockets and OKC on a back-to-back, which is going to be brutal. And obviously, you have to have him for those games. So I'm kind of pointing out that one game, that one that Knicks game, as maybe a spot where you, where you just give him a night off. You know, just in the middle of a road trip on a back-to-back, in a game that, you know, really the rest of the team should be able to win. Um, maybe you give a couple of these guys who are going to be sitting for a bit, a little bit of opportunity to play. Um, maybe maybe Lyles, maybe Wancho uh, can get into the game in that Knicks game with uh, without Jokic being there. And maybe that's enough. Maybe it's just, a, you know, a little mental massage, just having, <laughs> having one game off. Um, 
But clearly, you know, if 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 Malone is sensing something and it's it's bad enough that he's willing to talk publicly about it. Uh, and he pointed out, you know, just kind of his body language in the Minnesota game and, and just kind of the look on his face and stuff, too, that you could just you could just tell that things are kind of a trudge for him right now. Um, I, You know, I, I have no problem with them trying to trying to find him a night. Uh, if he's been the one consistent piece all the way through the season, he's played basically every game. I think what he had that that one game he missed because of the suspension. Um. But he really he hasn't had any injury issues this year, or he's been fighting through it, and we just don't know about it. Um, I, I think maybe maybe a game off would would do him some good. Yeah, you know, to me, I would love to see it. I feel like that's a more radical move to to sit him. So I I feel like we're less likely to see that. But I would be very interested to see if that had an immediate positive effect on him. Um, but I feel like. I feel like that was a one game thing. Like even during some of these losses we've had here, I feel like he's still giving it a, a pretty solid go. Typical Jokic. Um, to me, it was the the Warriors game. He was bad. He was just he was just flat out bad. Um, which is to say, he was probably average compared to any other uh, starting center in the league. Um, but still, it was it was obvious he was quite different in that game. And and I'm I'm not. I'm not willing to chalk up that entire thing just right off, you know, uh, mental fatigue and then move on from it. Um, I think there's more to that game than that um, playing against the Warriors. Oh, I don't. Jokic was not the worst of their problems right, in that game. Right. Anyway, it was more than that. they weren't passing at all. And but, I, but yeah. it was it was and, weird. Like you mentioned, he's been the steady rock this entire season and that game he was not. And, and so, I mean, if he kept playing like this, I could definitely see. Uh, a need to to maybe do something radical like you mentioned um but you know i he to me in the minnesota game he looked great um as he comes out here um against um it's the mavs right um you know i'd be very surprised if he didn't bring it against the mavs too so um so i i would hold off on that i guess i would say yeah, Malone talked about how Jokic has a lot of pride in being uh, Serbian. Shout out to our Serbian listeners, um, and and just like the kind of toughness that that he uh, you, you know feels as as a Serbian, and 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 that they're you know is sort of a cultural oh, value. Yeah, I thought this whole episode we were supposed to be doing Jokic. Jokic, okay. Yeah, so I, I don't think it's an emphasis on the second syllable. Jokic. Yeah. Yeah, not like Jokic. That would be an emphasis on the second syllable. I think it's like Jokic. 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 Yeah. yeah. Okay. Sorry, Serbians. Jokic. This is going to be tricky for this episode, but we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna try to do it. Um, but you know, Malone indicated that um, Jokic is not going to want to sit for sure. But that might actually be the reason to sit him. Uh, because it might help him to just, I mean, he's, he's, he's the type of guy he's never going to ask to come out. He's never going to admit to being fatigued. He's going to try to tough, tough his way through it. But sometimes like the coach needs to know a player's limitations better than they understand their own limitations. And, and maybe, maybe a little break could do him could do him some good. I don't, I don't think that means he's mentally soft. I think everybody can use a little break every once in a while, you know, like he hasn't had a sick day this year. Like just give him a sick day. Right. That's, that's all we're, that's all we're talking about. Okay. Um, buy or sell, Nick. Gary Harris getting his mojo back. I'm buying it. 
Because what is Gary Harris's mojo exactly? It's effort on defense, smart basketball. That doesn't go away. It's having an effective two-man game with Jokic, which we've seen a sum of. It's getting better. Um, and that's that's a lot of its timing. So that's going to take some time to get back. Since he missed so many games, but um, I think he's starting to get that back. It seems like his shot is starting to fall a little bit more. Um, and that's really, you, you don't need to rely on Gary Harris. It's one of the beauties of his game is you can put him out there and he can score six or eight points, but have an impact on the game in other ways and still be a valuable contributor and a, a starter level caliber player. Um, so I, yeah, I mean, I definitely think he, he's got, he's got some work to do. If he can get back to where he's shooting 40% from three consistently, I think that is what they're going to need in the playoffs from him. Um, he has to be able to spread the floor and then provide them with solid defense and good basketball plays. But uh, I, I think 16 games is enough for him to get there. I think he's already improving. So I'm selling this. Um, Interesting. Yeah, I, I don't think there's enough time. I think at this point that he needs um, that, that, that we need a reset for everybody to be able to reground themselves and to grow back from that. Um, I, I see it as a guy trying to jump on a train that's already moving 80 miles per hour. And, and I, I am, I'm just not sure this might be, um, I mean, uh, we, we saw him, uh, when was it? Uh, what was the win before the, the Timberwolves? Uh, I don't well, <laughs> fail on, on us, but he had a great game uh, at the stiffs. We gave him the game ball. He had like 19 points. He really came on in the fourth quarter and looked great. And I thought maybe this is him getting back. Um, but sure enough, we see him completely fall flat uh, since that game. So, you know, maybe I'm just hurt for, for wanting things to be a certain way based on that great performance he had a few games ago and and then not seeing it continue on. But um, the the Murray-Jokic game looked – was what the story was this winter. And it looks like that's gained back on track. Um, they're still trying to work in Barton. Um, so, so I'm just not, I'm not at all, uh, confident that this is the right situation and time and enough time left for Gary Harris to, to be able to get, find himself the rhythm that he used to have. And it's, it's a shame, you know, there'll be a few games where we see it like we did, uh, recently, but I, I, I'm not, I'm not believing in the consistency that Gary Harris used to bring to our team, not not for the rest of this season. Yeah, so this our next topic is going to be about Barton fitting in with the starters, but maybe just to provide a little context here. Um, here's a comparison of the two of them. So it, it, the last 10 games... So we're, we're looking back a month. Um, Gary Harris is playing on average 24 minutes and he's averaging right about 10 points a game. And he's actually shooting 40% from three over that stretch. Uh, 44% from the field, 43% from the field. Um, Barton in about seven more minutes, six more minutes, six and a half more minutes. Um, during that same stretch 
is at 12 and a half points a game. And he's only shooting 33% from three and only 39% from the field overall. So, I mean, you can make the argument, the statistical argument is that Gary Harris in the minutes he's playing is playing better than Will Barton is over the last 10 games. And that's with, with Harris um, having, having less time back with the starters than Barton has had. But I'm, well, maybe we should just jump into that then. So it, what are you buying or selling Barton's fit with the starters? So I'm buying it, but uh, it's a soft buy. I'm not buying it for much. Um, and actually, if you, if, if you ask me to place a bet on it, I probably wouldn't even do it. Uh, but I see, I see this in segments. I see him getting um, physically more capable of doing the job that he needs to. And then honestly, based off of just this one last game uh, against the Timberwolves, um, we, we know that it was a huge moment after the Warriors game where uh, from the, the coach on down that they kind of um, they needed a moment to come together to analyze things, to crystallize it and to move on from that. And what I saw in the Minnesota game was a Barton that was settling down. Um, so step one was get his health back, get his physical game back of being able to, um, drive to the hoop, move around. And I'm, I don't think anybody could defend the way that Barton had been playing the, the, the games leading up to that Minnesota game. Um, he was, he was destroying the rhythm of the offense. He was brutal in that Warriors game. Just Absolutely. And he was he's been doing some of that, you know, since the beginning, but when his shots falling, it kind of makes it okay. And then when you look at what it, the effect that he has on the other players, as much as you want to pinpoint a bad player to by Barton, um it they're actually a better unit overall with him in it. Um so so there's a difference between having a a, a personal problem with Barton and actually having a problem with the lineup with him in it. And the people who have been wanting to take a stand against the lineup with him in it have have actually, in reality, had less of a case, but not recently. Recently, it's been pretty bad. And, and so the reason why I'm buying it now is because now that he, now he's at the point where I feel like he's um, he's physically capable and he is um, also mentally capable now to understand his role in this offense that we've seen in the past where he's he's either taking the good shots or he's keeping that ball moving. And the effect that that can have on this lineup, we've already seen um, between last season and this season, these these small to now medium sample sizes of him having a great effect on the other guys around him. I'm, I'm going to buy it. I'm struggling with this one because I've seen a lot of growth out of Malik Beasley as a playmaker over the last month too. Um, I thought last night actually in that Timberwolves game, he had a, n- a number of, of, of really nice passes, um, which we haven't seen a ton from him. But I, I I think he has all the tools to grow into a guy who can get shots for other players. And he's such a better shooter, at least right now, than Barton is. Um, and, and just uh, just a, a more athletic player. I don't know. Just a more um, – he, he just seems like he plays smarter um, and, and, and with more hustle. And, and, and he's one inch shorter than Barton, so – 
you know, the size for, for guarding small forwards really, you know, isn't relevant um, when we're when we're looking at the two of them um, on the defensive end. But Beasley is young and this is really his, you know, his first time on the on the big stage. I mean, the, the, this is the first season we're seeing him. So I just don't know that he's totally ready yet. Um, and, and when Barton is good. Barton can be really good. Uh, we saw stretches of that a couple of weeks ago. He had a, he had a couple of games in a row where I was really impressed and I've been down on Barton for years. I'm not the biggest Barton fan or supporter. I've made that clear, but um, I was really impressed uh, by his play in a couple of games over the last stretch, but then he throws up stinkers like in that Warriors game where he just looks like one of the worst players on the court and he's, he's making boneheaded turnovers all over the place and completely styming the flow of the offense. And that just, it, it, it really, it makes it difficult for me to want to trust him in the playoffs because it seems like, and I don't, this is just, this is just my gut take on, on watching the nuggets a lot is it seems like when games get tough or when they're playing tough competition, that that's when we see Barton struggle. And I, I kind of get the feeling that he's just, uh, he plays good when the competition's not as tough and he shrinks back when it gets tough because he just isn't, as good as a lot of the guys that he's going against. And yeah, that, that I, that's I, a guy who's got to be uh, sitting on the bench in every fantasy league, right? Is there, is there any chance that he might be on um, your fantasy team? <laughs> yeah, not for long. <laughs> so you decide to pick him up over hundreds and hundreds of <laughs> players in the NBA. Well, yeah, well, <laughs> there's a, a reason All right, for I just had to bring um, that up. I just had to bring that but, up. Yeah, no, I, I noticed it. that. It's true because you actually reminded me that I needed to dump him. <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, <laughs> I, just, I noticed that like you know a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, and I thought I have to bring this up at some point. <laughs> yeah, I picked him up because you after he's playing well, and I just had a bunch of injuries, but yeah, he's just not reliable. Like that's yeah. I mean, even on my fantasy team, this is the problem. Like he just you don't ever know what Barton you're gonna get. Um. And I, I just, I would, I would rather go into the playoffs like in, in a, in a first round series with somebody like at this point, I, I actually feel like Beasley is pretty reliable. Like, I, I feel like I pretty much know what Beasley's going to give me every night. So, um, and I don't know what I'm going to get from Barton, depending on the competition, depending on whether his shots falling, his attitude, he gets flustered really easily. He's, he, he gets moody. I don't, he, I don't know. He's just a very frustrating player. So let me speak to two things here. First, Barton's um you brought up his uh basically kind of ruining the team towards the end of the game when the going gets tough I think that you might have last year last season's bias here um that I completely agree with that he he did do that last year but I feel like he was being called on um on that roster with their injuries and how they were made up to play a role that he shouldn't and 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 I don't want to see him play that role um, actually, I don't even want to see as much as Gary Harris was the, the king of last year of closing games. I don't even want to see that out of him. We've seen Jokic and Murray develop a two man game that can close out Jokic. Jokic. Oh, thank you. Against, I was just, I was on a path there. I was steamrolling and I completely forgot how to say his <laughs> name correctly or, or at least closely to correctly, closer to correctly. Um, but I'm, I'm all in on the Murray Jokic uh, two man game to close out games. So I, you're right. Barton shouldn't have a role in that, but I haven't seen that too much while he's been playing with these starters, not this season. Or not even no, if, season I, I'm sorry. If, if I said something about closing out games, that wasn't what I, what I meant to say. I was just talking about against better competition. Okay. 
just against against the elite teams in the NBA, I feel like he fades or looks like a fish out of water. Okay, fair enough. Um, I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean at the end of in crunch time when the game's right, on the line. Okay. That I, I I still think he's not great yeah. then, but I, I'm more just mean when when the when the pressure's amped up because the competition is fiercer. I feel like we don't get the, we we get bad bark. Okay. And that scares me for the playoffs. Well, I'm going to watch that because um, I feel like I know what you're talking about a little bit. So there might be something to that. Yep. And I'll pay closer attention to that. But, so let me speak to the other thing. You brought up Beasley. And I think there's a line between those two players that I don't think you're giving enough credit to. You talked about Beasley doing a better job playmaking, um, which actually when I when I compared him back in uh, – when he really turned on by the end of December against Gary Harris, I, I did like a 10 game stretch, um, but Harris's best 10 game stretch against Beasley's. And they were actually so ridiculously similar that it was, it was the first time that I was truly impressed um, that it really crystallized in my head of how good Beasley was actually proving to be. Um, the, mm-hmm. the, the only major difference between the two was that, there was a pretty significant difference in Beasley's lower turnovers than Gary Harris's. So I, I think there is a um, an efficiency to Beasley's playmaking game. But I think there's a real line. You brought up um, Beasley's playmaking and you brought up Barton's shooting. And I think there's a real line there that neither of those guys are going to ever cross. I don't think Beasley's ever going to average over five assists a game. I don't think Barton's ever going to be the knockdown shooter that Beasley already is at whatever young age he is right now. 21? He's, yeah. Yeah, whatever. Um, so, you know, Barton last season, not even as a starter, was um, one of the top 30 assisters in the entire NBA. Now there's 30 point guards in the NBA. And this is a guy who is not a point guard who got more assists than guys who are starting for their their teams that's a line that i never see beasley ever crossing and never i don't think he should so the role here is what i think we're bucking up against is that there's a role for barton even if he is not the best choice to accomplish it that beasley can't even knock on the door of and 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 that's why i'm against any lineup that would call uh, any starting lineup or um, heavy minute lineup, um, majority lineup, you could say, that would call for somebody like Beasley um, getting more minutes as a small forward than than Barton. Yeah, I mean, and t- I, I never actually clarified this, but I'm actually buying Barton with the starters too. Um, I just, I think, I really like Beasley with that second unit with Monte and Plumlee. I think they have something special there as a bench unit. And I, I like the kind of wild card nature of Beasley. I like that. I like that he can be this like sixth, seventh guy off the bench who can come in and just start knocking threes down and and really add some some pace and some um, uh, something different um, uh, to the game, depending on how the, the first score is going. Um, so I, I like him. I like him coming off the bench, I think, moving forward and into the playoffs. But. This is a it's a soft buy for me because I really I think going into next year, the Nuggets really have to figure out what to do with all these shooting guards. I mean, Barton is a shooting guard. They really they have like five, six shooting guards and they have one point guard. 
Um, that's really the issue here that we keep buddy up against this whole season. Um, and I, I don't know if Jamal Murray has shown enough of growth this year as a playmaker to really make me feel like he should be the starting point guard moving forward with this team next year. But that's, that's another conversation we can have, have later on. But, um, but I think for now, I think, I think you go to the dance with the girl you brought. Uh, I think, I think the starters are, are playing well enough. Their plus minus is really good. Like the, the, the metrics are on their side. Um, they've had a, a tough stretch here with some, some losses, but I, you know, I, I think, I think the starting core it needs the, the time and the, the space to show what they can do as a group. And then when we go into, into the off season, after we get through the playoffs and everything, we see how, how it shakes out, you know, then we can start having those discussions. All right, Nick, buy or sell sitting it Lyles or Wancho. Yeah. So on the radio show, Mike Malone talked about going to an eight man rotation maybe an eight and a half man rotation. If you include Tory Craig under certain matchups, uh, they did that in the Minnesota game, which means that, and we had our musical chairs episode a couple weeks ago, a um, month ago. And it looks like the odd men out are Isaiah Thomas, Trey Lyles and Wancho Hernan Gomez. Uh, Mike Malone was pretty straightforward about that. In fact, he talked about having a meeting with it and discussing this in person with him. You know, and I'll, I'll keep that conversation between IT and myself. Uh, not an e- easy conversation, but that's my job. You know, uh, it's never about Isaiah. It's never about any individual. It's about what I think is best for our team. Uh, and I made the decision to shorten the rotation. Only played eight guys in the first quarter. Uh, and, you know, I'm going to continue to do that for the time being. Obviously, 16 games to go. Try to find a rhythm and a rotation that I feel will give us the best chance to win now and into the playoffs. Um, Isaiah is a pro. He was into the game and supporting his teammates. He's a competitor, and uh, I know it's not easy for him. Um, but you know, I admire his uh, his response to being such a pro tonight. Um, I got to eat some crow on this one, <laughs> obviously, because I predicted it would be starting at some point in the playoffs. Um, not for the entire playoffs necessarily, but I was my I I, I foresaw a situation where the Nuggets might want to look at starting Isaiah Thomas. And the reason for that prediction was specifically because I didn't see him and Monte Morris working together in the second unit. And that's exactly what we've seen. Um, It doesn't work. (laughs) Uh, It hasn't worked at all. It ruined Monte and it gave way too many shots to Isaiah Thomas, who isn't hitting them right now. Um, And, and maybe he'll get, he'll get back to the old it at some point in his career. But for right now, he's not hitting shots. He's taking too many shots. The offense stalls, and he's ruined Monte Morris, who was arguably a, a better point guard than a lot of starting point guards in, in this league. A lot of teams would have killed to have him as their starting point guard um, prior to IT coming back. So um, so Ali the Crow, I was wrong about my prediction. You have to sit IT. Uh, you have to let Monte play. He's the future Point guard on this team, um, I, I really think moving forward, uh, he, you know, in the next in the next couple of years, he's he's going to be a starting point guard, whether it's on the Nuggets or somebody else. But he really gives you everything you want from the point point guard position, and he's been awesome on the bench. And it ruined that, so it has to sit. Uh, Trey Lyles has really struggled. We've talked about that, and Wancho's been super inconsistent. He had a really good stretch for a month and a half or something in like December, January when. 
The Nuggets went through all those injuries, and he's been brutal ever since. So, you know, the, the guys have really played themselves out of the lineup. Um, they didn't leave Mike Malone with a hard choice here, which is actually kind of fortunate because we were worried about that going into this stretch, like how you'd find minutes for all these guys. But it seems like uh, the uh, the eight-man rotation, I think, now for these final 16 games and then going into the playoffs is set. All right. Um, I mean, let me first of all give IT what I think he deserves. To me, what he has proved is that he can be a spark off the bench in the midst of chaos. The the first few games, we saw a guy who was scoring just as many points as minutes that he was playing. And he was doing it in a way where he didn't need to fit into a system and he didn't need to well, let me rephrase that. He he could overcome whatever the defense was throwing at him. Um, that is not a player who has a role on this Nuggets team. And that's why I'm totally okay and I'm selling on him um, sitting for the rest of the season. Um, I expect him to get a chance. Um, he was talking about going to China if he didn't end up with a contract with an NBA team for this season. I don't expect that to happen at all. I think he's going to find uh, a team to give him a, a contract, a year or two contract for next season. And I think in the right role where they have a bench unit that is not well-defined, that that's a guy who can immediately add a spark and get something going. Not that it's going to be consistently good, but it's going to be something. Yeah. And he, he may not be healthy yet either. Like, I don't, you know, who knows what, Right. What's going on? He, he may have been trying to rush it back. Um, you know, he said earlier in the season that he may never be 100 percent again. And at his size, if he loses right. his speed and his quickness, uh, that could be a death nail right. for him in his career. But um, I yeah, I really hope he gets it back. He's a fun player. And Mike Malone did talk about his leadership being invaluable to this team and that he'd continue to be a great leader on this team. And I I, I think that's true. And I, I give him all the credit in the world for that. This isn't a knock against him. It's just. Like you said, with the team, the cur- the way it's currently constructed and the players they have who are playing the way they are, you have to go with the, the eight-man rotation they right. have. Yeah, our, our bench unit was, I think, a top three bench unit in the entire NBA when you had that um, that chemistry. We saw it first between um, Morris and Plumley, and then we saw the way that Beasley was able to step up, and um, and that's the opposite of chaos. That's a, a smooth-running machine in, in that unit. Um, so I'm excited to get that back. And, and of course that means, um, benching it. I'm, um, I'm also buying benching, uh, Wancho, not, not to say I fully expect him to get another chance by the end of the season in the next 16 games. If, if he isn't called on at least once to, to give a shot at something, I would be surprised, but I, yeah, and Malone said it would be matchup yeah, dependent. But I, I, so we'll, the, we'll see. The reason again, why I'm but. buying, basically sitting him, is because I'm, I'm just I, I don't think there's going to be the right opportunity or or string of opportunities for Wancho to recarve out any sort of real role in this team um, this season or this playoffs. So um, so I'm buying that Lyles though. I'm selling. I'm fully expecting Lyles to get some minutes here uh, when he gets healthy again. Uh, you mentioned Tory Craig, who I'm not even sure at this point what his shoulder's looking like after that injury in uh, trash time against the Timberwolves. But let's say he's perfectly healthy today. 
I still don't buy that he gets the all of the spare minutes at power forward uh, going on for the rest of the season. I think uh, there's just the, the body type that Lyles has. I, I We don't have another player on our team at this point who really has that. Um, not even Wancho really has the, the size that Lyles has. And I think Lyles looks at least ready to game, even if he's not <laughs> delivering the way that we saw last season. I think it's more than a, uh, a meagerly Wancho, which is what we've unfortunately ended up with at this point. So um, I'm, I'm actually, I, I fully expect Lyles to be getting some minutes, whether that's, you know, honestly anywhere between zero or up to, you know, 15, 18 on the particular right game, even in a playoff series, I could see that happening. Now, for some reason, a basketball haiku by Nicholas Herzog. Pronunciation matters almost as much as arrested Jokic. Over and under. Uh, let's play over and under now, Jeremy. Okay. First topic, over under 19 points a game for Murray during these last 16 games. So, I guess you ate crow earlier <laughs> in this show, so I might as well do it too. I predicted that Murray would get over 20 points, uh, average over 20 points for the season. Uh, at this point... Wasn't it 21? No. I feel like it was no, 21. No, no. It was 20 and a half is what I expected him to get. Oh, okay. Um. So if we round yeah, up coming it's into this season, I expected yeah. Jokic to get uh, 19 and a half and Murray to get 20 and a half. And so, I mean, to to blow my answer early, I, that I expect the exact opposite of that or, or something close to the exact opposite. Uh, Jokic is at 20 and a half right now, 20.4. I expect that to continue. And um, Murray to, to get 20 with 16 games left would have to average 26 points a game. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. And uh, to get 19 points a game, this is the over-under, he would have to average uh, a little over 21. And so I'm going to take the over on this. Um, I've said in the last show or two that I really think that Barton plays a big role in uh, in Murray being able to open up as a shooter, as a weapon. as opposed to the the role that he's been used to of being the secondary playmaker, um, so when you when you have a healthy lineup here of these starters and you have Barton in there, um, being able to do what he does with playmaking and the attention that he gets, um, I totally see Murray averaging over twenty points to uh, to end this season, which would bring him up over nineteen. I I, I see him at somewhere around nineteen point two, nineteen point three. It gets a little boring at that point to try and hone that in, but I'm taking the over on 19 points a game um, averaging for this entire season. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to take the over too because I I do think – I think we're going to see a good stretch out of Murray for these final 16. I thought he was huge against Minnesota. He had 30 points. He just looked really good. He looked like himself. Um, That was a good version of Murray. Um, He was hitting threes. You know, the blue arrow was out. It was was all good. Things were rolling for Murray, and that's – 
what I think we're going to see more of down the stretch. He, Murray is he's kind of the opposite of what I see from Barton. I feel like here he's the guy that kind of steps up in the face of competition. Yeah, often. that's not always the case. Totally. But, but it does seem like he plays better. Yeah, he Warriors, plays up to his Lakers, competition. Like and, you see him really kind of come right. out of his shell. And this is going to be a tough stretch. I mean, the Nuggets have the third hardest remaining schedule. Uh, they have a bunch of road games. They have a bunch of tough back-to-backs. Uh, they have a stretch coming up where they go back-to-back against the Rockets and OKC. Then they have a back-to-back at Golden State and then against the Spurs. And they end with a back-to-back at the Jazz and then T-Wolves. Um, they also do a home-and-home with the Blazers. I mean, this is a pretty brutal stretch these final few weeks. And I, I think we're going to see a good version of Murray. Um, at least a version of Murray where he's going to put up 22, 23, 24 points a game, I think, over the last 16 games. Um, hopefully, he's not going to be going outside of uh, uh, his efficiency. He's not going to be overshooting to try to get there. But I do think we'll see his numbers come up. Yeah, I mean, you throw in, too, that um, he was averaging or, or for this season, he's averaging 33 minutes a game. But ever since IT came back, he's been averaging closer to 28, 29 I mean, you just throw in those extra three or four minutes a game and that can really do it. Yeah, sure. So, all right. um, We just talked about the schedule. There's 16 games left. So over under nine wins to close out the year. So will they go better than nine and seven over the last? This is a hard question because I actually have them at nine wins to close out this year, but I have to go over under that. Uh, So I hate to say it. I'm going to take the under. Because one of those wins mm-hmm. I have is at Golden State. Um, I, I tried to look in. I tried to find some sort of excuse. I did the opposite of what science says you're supposed to do. I completely threw away objectivity, and I tried to find some <laughs> reason why the Nuggets should win this game. This is sports. Objectivity has no place. <laughs> and I couldn't. Um, the the Warriors have a pretty easy schedule. They don't have these back to backs going on leading up to the game. Um, and they, they don't even have a back-to-back. out. They play like the Lakers and the Cavs after the Nuggets. So it'll be very easy for, for this two-week joyride that they're on to focus on and be ready for the Nuggets game. And it's at home in Oakland. So there's no reason why the Warriors shouldn't be able to bring it in this game. Uh, I, I, I still am going to mark down the Nuggets for a win there. But if you're asking me to go over-under and that's the one game that I have to uh, – make a split decision on, I'm going to go ahead and take the under there and, and call the loss. Yeah. I'm looking at the East coast swing. I think that's really going to be the telling stretch of games here is the, are these next like six, seven games. So they have Mavs. That should be a win. That's yeah. a home game. They have the Pacers at home. That should be a, that's gonna a, be win. a hard game. And well, that- it I'm will be tough, to though. And the pay, they have two games against the Pacers in the next seven games. And that is really kind of an unknown to me. I'm not I haven't watched much of the Pacers this year. Um, I know Oladipo got hurt and they've still been they're playing well without right him. Now. But it seems like that has to be or, a pretty blo- or they're tied. They're tied for third right now. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm curious about those games. Those are kind of total like wild cards to me. I really don't know what to expect. But I think this East Coast swing it, let me put it this way. If the Nuggets are going to finish in the second or third seed, they need to have a dominant East Coast road trip. Uh, they need to only drop like 
one of these games or two of these games because then the stretch that they have after that in the West is brutal. And if if you can even go 500 through that stretch, you'll be doing well. Uh, we're talking Rockets, OKC, Golden State, San Antonio, two games in a row against the Blazers, and then the Jazz. <laughs> so, um, I think I think it's going to come down to can they can they sweep through the East Coast trip, uh, go five out of six, something like that. I am going to put my money on ten and seven, or ten and well, I, ten and six, and here's my totally objective reason is because every time that I've thought that they were going to regress a little bit this season, they've actually had a better month or two than I, than I predicted. So you're betting against yourself actually. I think it's going to keep going. (laughs) Yeah. I just think, I think, I think this team is better than even nuggets fans are giving, giving them credit for. I think we look at isolated losses against golden state or, you know, game dropped here or there. And we think, Oh, see, there's the sign. This, this team's actually not any good. When actually what it is is that Golden State is really good. Uh, they're a really bad matchup for everybody and especially for the Nuggets, and they're better. But just because Golden State has blown the doors off them a couple times in a row doesn't mean this team isn't really good against everybody else. And they're undefeated against OKC. They thumped the Rockets last time they played them. Uh, the Jazz are always a tough matchup. The Spurs are tough for them always. So there's some games in there that are going to be toss-ups, but but I like their chances. I mean, I I, I think they're really going to be making a serious push for that number one seed. Uh, and a lot of how well they do over these final 16 games, I, I think, is really going to come down to, like, who who needs these games more in, in some of these final games. Um, you know, if people are fighting for playoffs, you know, if the Jazz are fighting for a playoff spot or if the Spurs are fighting for like the fifth seed instead of the eighth seed or something like that, maybe things get hairier for the Nuggets. But things seem like they're kind of settling into place a bit. And I think, I think the nuggets are still going to have a, a good shot at the number one seed all the way through. So I'll go right. over. So next one over under one minute of game time from Michael Porter jr. One minute. He is going to get one minute of game time this year. I'm I guess we should over. say over under half a minute of game time for Michael Porter jr. Half a minute. I'm going over. He will get, Six minutes of game time this year. He's going to come in in the Knicks game when Jokic is rested. We're going to see Michael Porter Jr. Actually, maybe that's too soon. I don't know, but there's going to be a game. One of the, one of these games is going to be totally out of hand and they're going to bring MPJ in for half a quarter in the fourth quarter and a blowout. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm taking the over here. Um, I, from the beginning, from this summer, I've thought that if he's healthy, healthy enough to go into a live game, that um, Connolly has too much to gain from that as opposed to what he could lose from it. Um, really, the only thing I can think of that I might want to hold on to is his ability to be uh, rookie of the year next year if they completely bench him. And to me, that's that far underways uh, the ability to show a Nuggets team that's on the rise who that has a guy who could have gone number one, who's maybe able to pop in and show that he's healthy and that this is a team of the future and make this a better free agency spot, make this a better um, team morale place, uh, a better city, 
Um, there, there's just too much, too much that's advantageous there. And he's looking like he got three on three in practice recently. Um, he's looking healthy. So I, I'm, I'm going to hold on to it. We can have one game of the season left and I would still predict that he would get one, at least one minute of game time. Yeah. The, the rookie of the year argument is silly to me. I mean, who cares? Honestly, like it's a cool award, but it's going to Zion Williamson anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, He's not going to have enough minutes on this team to get a rookie of the year, probably. Um, who, right. I mean, uh, unless he can start over Barton, um, I, I, you know, I just I don't I, I see a, a rookie on a bad team getting 35 minutes a game as a much more likely rookie of the year candidate. So if that's your only reason, I, I, I just don't see that as a valid reason to keep him out. I think you do it for the fans more than anything else. Um, he's healthy enough to play. We've seen him windmill dunk over Isaiah Thomas now from practice. He can come in for five minutes in a game. Like I've had this back surgery. I've talked about this before. It's not like, it's not like he has the chance of like re, you know, breaking a vertebrae or, or um, popping a disc or something like that. Just from a few minutes of game time. If he's, if he's dunking on mm-hmm. people, like he's, he's past the danger phase of the, of the surgery, um, you know, other than just any freak thing that could happen to any, any player. But um, I, I, I don't see why uh, Yeah, a few minutes on the court wouldn't, wouldn't be good. And, and like you said, it would just be a little taste of the future, which I think would all of the Nuggets fans are excited about. I think we all want to see, see him play just a little bit, just something, just a, a glimpse of, of what we have to look forward to. And I think it would mean a lot to him too, just to get on the floor this year. Um, you know, he said during the draft, he, he was expe- expecting to play this year uh, that, you know, might've been a little optimistic, but, um, yeah, I mean, I think you also say that you know, he, to, it helps your position. It helps your contract. I, f- I feel like he had a lot to gain sure. by saying that. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't, I not reading into his motives or anything else though. I'm just saying, I'm sure that he would like to have yeah. to get on the court yeah. at this point. Um, and if, if there's a way to, if there's a way to have that happen, cool. Um, All right, people, you heard it here first. Dr. Nick said that he has passed the danger zone. That is an official <laughs> medical yeah, clearance that he's you heard gotten. Me. That's, uh, yeah. Put him in. All right, last over under 0.9 fan altercations for Westbrook. <laughs> so, by my count, he's had two in the last month. So, we had the, the thing with the kid. Who like poked him or whatever at the Nuggets game. And now recently, I'm sure if you follow the NBA closely at all, you, you've heard about this incident that he got into with a uh, fan at a jazz game. Um, the jazz fans are especially notorious for being uh, brutal on players. And uh, there's evidently a small segment of them um, who, who go way out of bounds uh, with their verbal assaults on the players at games this, this evidently from what you hear from nuggets or from uh from former nba players and stuff this sounds like it's fairly well understood about utah that they kind of have a reputation right they this. had um i don't know if you remember um oh for crying out loud who was the uh Derek fisher when he was on their team and his his daughter um little girl wound up with cancer right. in her eye and then he uh, he he comes back the next year on the Lakers and and the crowd. So more, I think more than just a little contingent of, of Jazz fans. I think in mass they are willing to. Uh, well, they they were started shouting, chanting, cancer at him 
cancer, cancer, cancer at him. So yes. um, <laughs> this is and they were now I've I've never been to a jazz game. So I am I'm totally going off what I hear. And they were holding. So please torches. don't at me on Twitter. They Utah were holding fans. torches and circling um, him. <laughs> <laughs> right. But I'm sorry. You have a reputation for this stuff, uh, whether it's whether it's well deserved or not. I don't know. I, I like I said, I can't speak to that. I haven't. I haven't been to a, a jazz game. I, I I don't live in Utah, but um, there is a reputation there. And Westbrook had enough. Uh, apparently, there were some um, racial slurs thrown his way, so his reaction seems somewhat <laughs> justified. Even though threatening violence is probably never a good thing. Um, I'm gonna go over one more fan altercation for Westbrook. I'm gonna say there's gonna be two more, <laughs> two more. fan okay. altercations with Westbrook. <laughs> Because the season, the pressure of the season is just going to keep getting amped up and amped up. Paul George is going to keep proving that he is clearly the best player on that team. And Russell Westbrook's going to keep not being able to shoot. And we're going to see uh, a little more lashing out from him, I think. And next time, this next altercation, it's going to be much more clearly Westbrook's fault. There's okay. my prediction. Well, I'm going to take, uh, take the under here. Uh, under 0.9 fa- fan altercations. Westbrook. Well, I'm going to go with the 0.5 fan altercation. I think there's one more kid in the crowd <laughs> that he's going to steamroll over. So <laughs> that's my altercation for you. And it only counts for half because we know that's how much children count for. <laughs> Love it. somebody take like not go for the sure thing and dump a couple of people who are in love with it one of the girls was like gorgeous too and she i really thought she was gonna be the next bachelorette but um um but yeah they ended up together so i mean if they end up making it it'll be kind of a cool cool story for uh, romantics but um i don't know i still don't i'm not really sold that the girl's like super he got dumped four times in this season he got dumped, he got four, dumped times. four times. Yeah, oh four different gosh. girls left, and they didn't. They, when they leave, they don't all. You know, they don't say it like that. It's more like you know, I just don't think this process is right for me, or like I just don't uh. see us getting there in time, or whatever. But you almost never see that from the contestants. It's always. <laughs>